Welcome to the Hillside Community Church Podcast. Wherever you're at in your faith, we hope this episode encourages you. If you enjoy the listen, let your friends know, and we'll catch you next time. Uh, good to be back. I'm just uh, off from summer break and had uh, a great time. I hope you've had a great summer. Been looking forward to getting uh, back with you and getting ready for the fall. Uh, as we launch sort of our ministry year, starting September 1 all the way uh, through the year. So glad to be back, glad to be with you. If you're a guest and we haven't met, uh, um, sure would love to meet you if you've been coming to Hillside. Usually in this morning crew, the irregulars, but uh, early crew. Uh, But it's great to see you. I don't, just in case you're very observant, I forgot my wedding ring and watch this morning. The wedding ring's important. I don't use the watch here. If you're a guest, you'll find that out. I I don't need the watch. But the ring, I'll get yelled at for. So, uh, I think Matt last week said something to you. He's our executive pastor about our financial, uh, just giving you a financial update because we close our whole fiscal year. We close the fiscal year here at August 31. So we only have a couple weeks away. And I think before I left, I shared with you that uh, and our general fund was sort of heading downward. And this will be the first year in, it may be more than a decade that we end in the red. And if, you're, if, you, if you don't know money very well, red's not the good number, in case you're wondering. Uh, so that's, it's really kind of crazy. Um, we are creating the new budget. That'll be approved by the end of this month, and it'll roll out the beginning of September. In it are cuts, and we are talking through more cuts as we head into the uh, new year. So just keep that in mind if you can help us. If, if you're not giving regularly, but you attend Hillside and you call it your home, I want to challenge you to do that. Join many of us who are doing that uh, to our general fund because... Uh, it affects literally everything we do. Uh, Legacy, I got back to get a little bit of an update on Legacy. Legacy's going well. I did get to see some pictures of the new building and everything that we're, really a new building, but some new layouts and things like that, which we'll be rolling out to you soon. It's very exciting uh, to see that. But today, we're, uh, or actually next week, officially, we'll be launching a new series Uh, called Go Local, where we are going to learn as a congregation how to bring Jesus into our everyday, ordinary lives. So, uh, you'll be challenged this fall to make an impact for Christ wherever you are in the people that are in your life. And in this series, I want to tell you why that's important. And then we're going to focus on the how. How can we really do that? Most of us in here want to figure out how we can take our faith out there. We sing in here, I believe, we sang it this morning, I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. Well, we can scream that at each other in here for eons. We've got to get that message out there. We need to learn how to do that together. So that's what the fall will be about. 
Uh, our staff uh, as a team and as individuals have already begun working through that. A lot of work has gone into launching this, uh, this series and we'll be working with it together. So I want to challenge you to make your growth edge this year. More confidence in what you believe and a little more boldness in sharing it with other people. Make that your growth edge because that's what we're going to focus on for the fall. Now, uh, today is a very special day, kind of a precursor to the series. So let me read a text to you that I have up here. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. It says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God without blemish. Though you live in a crooked and perverse society in which you shine as lights in the world by holding on to the word of life. Uh, We will unpack this text uh, in the series. But for today, we just want to introduce you to a few of the bright stars, the bright lights in our community. Um, A a few especially in the area of public education uh, that, that are right here in this community might surprise you. How many people in public education are in this room and, and, and who are in this room? So we want to launch the whole fall by showing you how these folks, a handful of them, a few of them, take their faith into this, into our community, into our, right here where we live, where they live every single day. Uh, last year, 2017, um, Rick Westfall, a member of our church, became the superintendent of KISD. And he spoke at his first convocation, which is sort of the kickoff of their year, and all of the KISD staff are a part of it. Uh, it's a pretty long talk. He gives longer talks than, than you've ever heard, okay? Uh, but one little piece of it, one little piece of it, we want to show you and then introduce them to you. So watch this. But I wanted you to hear from me what my story was, and, and really I can best sum that up through my core values. Um, my core values are very specific, and I've got three of them. Some of you know this about me, uh, and they are very specific in order. Um, I order it as faith, family, and work. It's up there not alphabetized, even though it actually is alphabetized, right? That just was accidental. Um, but I'm very, I'm, I'm very intentional about trying to keep those three categories in my life prioritized in that way. And the reason why I say that, I'm, you know, I'm the new guy on the block, and I'm up here in convocation, and we're supposed to be talking about the, you know, the, the year going forward, which is work. And I'm telling you, I categorize that as number three in my life. But what I've found is when I've got the first two correctly ordered and healthy, I get a lot more out of the third. And I get a lot more out of what I'm doing. So let me talk to you and how I define faith. Now, this is my definition of faith. There are people in this room that are going to have different definitions of it. And all I would suggest and I would encourage you is however you define your faith, hang on to it and make sure you keep it your number one priority. But my faith for me, it's not about a religion. It's about a relationship. And it's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's how I define. (laughs) 
That's how I define what I'm going to do from one day to the next. And it brings out certain qualities. Some of those qualities are grace and mercy. Ooh. That third word just came up, accountability. It's not all fun, you know, fuzzy, warm times every now and then. The first two were kind of fuzzy and warm, and then all of a sudden accountability. Integrity and forgiveness. These are the things that I try to make sure that I'm living my life by and I'm living how I do my work by. And this is the reason why I just encourage you again. For me, this is how I have prioritized myself in terms of my three categories, and I would encourage you to do the same in however you define your faith. Well, like Pastor Pete said, um, Mike and I, our student pastor, are going to talk a little bit with these folks and, and share a little bit. And, um, you know, Rick, I know that was a year ago, and you just had convocation this past Friday for all of KISD. Um, you know, I guess being in your position as superintendent for a year, I guess, what have you learned since that first convocation? A, a lot. Um, <laughs> So, you know, the, the decision to open up convocation literally two weeks after my contract was approved uh, last year um, with, that, with that statement, it was important for me that everyone in Keller ISD that was going to be there knew that they knew how I was wired and they knew what to expect of me. Um, with that came a lot of support. Uh, it, it, a lot of encouragement, um, and soon after, a lot of spiritual warfare. Um, when you light that fuse, get ready, right? Um, so, so we live in we we live in a in a battlefield, a spiritual battlefield. And and when when you're making the decision, as even as Pete was talking about today, about how we go out from this room and out into the world, when you're making that decision to be bold out in the world. Um, there, there are a lot of amazing things that happen as a result. We, have, we, we had an amazing year last year. A lot of very positive things, but, but you have to be ready for the fight. And how, um, do you, how do you do that personally, Rick? Just from your own personal walk, how do you do that? A lot of prayer, yeah. you know, a lot of staying in the Word, um, a lot of uh, accountability. There's people in my life that, that I won't, I'm not... Um, great at that accountability partner thing that we talk about in church. You know, I, I, I don't have that small group, so I don't want to pretend like that, that's what goes on, but I have people in my life that can tell when something's, they can tell when something's off, and they're willing just to come up and say, something's going on, what's happening, and, and that's when it'll, it'll break loose, but um, it, it has to be, if, if, if you're going out as a lone ranger to do something, it will fall apart quickly, and you've got to figure out how to make those connections with other Christians. Yeah, that's cool. And I've gotten to know Rick. You know, he and his son Grant went to Honduras with us last summer, and his wife Michelle is part of the student ministry and, and um, just a quality family. So when you talked about those priorities, I see you living that. And um, I know the lady beside you uh, is very nice to have the support because your lady beside you is kind of your boss. Uh, and all the KISD bought. If you don't know, this is Cindy Lawton, um, who's actually the, the school board president of KISD, has been on the board in Keller of the school district for 14 years. And I, I didn't realize that until I talked to her how long. Um, <clears throat> and something I learned this week is that is a non-paid position. I mean, I thought it was like the mayor. I think the mayor gets paid, I think. Um, 
So, Cindy, I just got to, this may sound like a harsh question, but knowing what you deal with from a political parent standpoint, why in the world would you do this? I'm just, I mean, not, don't take that wrong, but I just got to scratch my head to say, you're not getting paid, and I know the stuff you put up with. Um, why, for 14 years, have you done that? Well, if, um, if you know me well, you know that I really enjoy bossing people around. <laughs> but, um, no, really, I think the beginning of it was, I've always really believed that you really can't criticize something unless you're willing to be part of the solution, which is why I never criticized Pete when he was a youth pastor, because I did not <laughs> want to help with that. But um, I worked at Fossil Ridge, and I was becoming increasingly frustrated with some of the things that were happening with kids. And um, then some other circumstances happened, and I went to a different school district to work. I didn't get fired. But... Um, God was putting on my heart that I needed to be part of the solution to that. And so he challenged me, and some other people got involved, challenged me to decide to run for the school board. And again, if you know me well, you know that I, that was way out of my comfort zone. In fact, most of my friends said, uh, you probably need to put on your signs, vote for Scooter's wife, because I'm not the friendly person in our family. Scooter is. He's the one that knows everybody. And, you know, so that was really hard for me. But I've, I really felt the whole time that God was pushing me into that position. And, and, and I've had many years of, of affirmation about that. I've had lots of battle. Um, uh, like Rick said, the warfare can become relentless, and it can come from places that you would never expect. But I have constantly felt God's favor, and I have constantly felt that I was exactly where I needed to be at the time. So and I know um, you that said, was good. I know you said at your level and at Rick's level, um, you know, you said something that from that standpoint of being um, okay with the boldness of your faith, that that helps trickle that down through the, through the whole district, really. So, and, and I think you mentioned something that was really cool, is that you got on the board, and sometimes board members come on as a power surge. You know, I'm going to make all these changes. And you realize through your 14 years, it's all about servant leadership. And I keep hearing that. You'll hear that all through these interviews. But explain that, Cindy, around what you found out as being truly a servant leader in the community. And, and well, I feel like when people think of the school board or they think of, they think of someone who's got an agenda and they want to push it through and they want to get it happening. And I really saw it as the, the opportunity to just model what being a servant was and that we, we are the highest level of, of servitude. That, I mean, we do it for free. So that in itself should tell you something. But I, I, I felt like I needed to convey to the other board members, to the, to the district administrators, and to the teachers, the principals, that your job is to serve the kids. Your job as a principal is to serve your teachers and your kids and just kind of give them the freedom to do that. So, Yeah, yeah. And honestly, when Dave told me this week that, Cindy did that. What an amazing testimony. But I honestly thought, that woman is crazy, all right? 
She's literally crazy. And I still kind of think that, but it's more of an eternal living now kind of crazy than, you know, than the other crazy. Um, another crazy person is Coach Helsley over here, who is the, uh, the football coach at Central. And uh, we have developed a, a uh, I'd say, close relationship over the past few years because I get to have a chance to go over and do some chaplain work at Central and just kind of motivate them and talk a little bit about my faith over there as well. And it doesn't it, hurt he's a Steelers fan, too. It doesn't hurt he's a Steelers fan, all right? That's a good man, all right? I'm also a Steelers fan. But, uh, you know, I've been able to be over there. And, Coach, I gotta, I'm got not going to lie, coming from Pennsylvania, uh, football is still a big thing, but high school football in Pennsylvania is not what high school football is in Texas. And uh, so my first year in Texas – I went to more high school football games in one season than I had my entire high school life in Pennsylvania. It's just that much bigger, right? And so, like I said, the craziness is, Coach, how did you get to being the coach at Central? What's your path look like? Why did you want to become a coach? Well, when I was a little kid, my dad kind of got me into watching football. And so from day one, football's been a part of my life as far as interest is concerned. Um, when uh, I, of course, played in junior high and high school and uh, was fortunate enough, I walked on at North Texas, played at North Texas, um, had a lot of positive influence from coaches during that time. Um, just the relationship, being a part of a team, uh, those things were so important to me, and I didn't always realize that in my younger years. But then um, started coaching when I got out of college, started coaching at Granbury, Went to Flower Mound Marcus for a couple years, uh, then Fossil Ridge. And then uh, we had some success um, at Marcus and at Fossil Ridge while I was an assistant coach there. And uh, the opportunity to be the head coach at Central uh, opened up. And, um, you know, when, when I became the head coach at Central, you know, I, I thought I was this great offensive mind and was going to change everything and we were going to set the world on fire and, you know, everybody in the state would be coming to – Central to want to know how we how how we're so successful and um, within that first year of being a head coach I learned that that was not going to happen right away so um, very humbling experience being a head coach uh, but what I learned along th through that process was that being a head coach is not about the X's and the O's it's not about um, you know, the rah-rah, it's about relationships. It's about developing young men the way that my coaches helped develop me. And, uh, you know, through all that process, being a head coach at Central, um, we have – my kids know that I'm a believer. Now, do they always see that from me at practice? <laughs> I think they know I'm coming from a good place. But uh, – <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but they they know and and what I what I began to understand being in that position was that it is so important to establish relationships with these young men because this is just the beginning for them. High school football is not the end all be all. This is just the beginning of the process of them becoming, uh, you know, good husbands and and good fathers down the road. Yeah, yeah, and I've I've actually can personally testify to this. I've been at practices. The closer I've gotten to the program. Uh, been at games, talked to parents, sat with a couple dads, and literally they don't know who I am. 
Uh, they have no idea. We start talking a little bit, and they personally testify. You know what we enjoy about Coach Helsley is not necessarily that wins and losses on this football field are the most important thing to him, but that he is raising our young men to be fathers and, and husbands, and uh, that's what we appreciate about Coach. So thank you so much, Coach. We appreciate it. Then I want to introduce um, another one, another uh, guy that's very involved in education here is uh, Ron Myers. And I've just gotten to know Ron, and Irene went to Honduras this summer, but I've always heard, he, he was in a life group with the Wakefields for years, and Carolyn always said, you've got to get to know Ron and Irene. And, and so I've really just been able to do that these last couple weeks, just to get Ron's story. But um, Ron, you've been in education 32 years. You were telling me some of your journey uh, being in public education all those years and, and being a teacher, but been in administration 22. You've been the principal of Byron Nelson now for five years, been there six, right? Right, right. This, uh, this will be my fifth year as principal at Byron. But to, prior to that, I was an elementary principal in uh, Keller, and uh, I've been a, a classroom teacher for 10 and a half years and um, have just seen uh, from pre-K up to high school and have also done some adjunct work at DBU. So um, it's, it's been a great journey for me um, in this role. And what I loved about talking about you, you used the word calling. And you talk, you know, you hear that in ministry, but you, you talked about public education being a calling for you. Because you shared when you got, you were in a strong, brought up in a strong Christian home church. Um, a lot of your friends, when they were getting out of school, went into ministry. And you felt like God was directing you in a different calling. Explain that a little bit. Yeah, I, um, I grew up, although my, my parents uh, began uh, attending church when I was just a baby, and, and they had some connections with, my mother grew up in a Pentecostal church, my dad was in a Free Will Baptist church, but they found a Southern Baptist church, and, and what was really cool about that was the uh, pastor at that time reached out and saw my, my parents and invited them to church, and from that point forward, uh, I grew up in a, a, that, that particular environment. Um, so youth groups, I was the janitor of the church. My dad was a deacon. He was a treasurer. And uh, we really couldn't afford for me to go to off, off away from school, from, from where I lived, to go to college. So I went to a little small school uh, where I grew up in Oklahoma and uh, got really involved in our Baptist Student Union at that time. And... Um, it was doing some things at church as well and, and youth retreats and all that kind of stuff, summer missionary, all that stuff. And, um, and then when I graduated from, um, from college, I had several friends that were, that were going to seminary. And so I was thinking, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's what I need to do. I uh, checked out uh, Southern Seminary. I had some friends going to Southwestern. Um, but I really feel like that... Uh, I was living in a very protective bubble, and all of my relationships, all of my friendships were basically look like me and uh, talk like me, and, well, actually, they probably talk a lot better than me, but uh, I, I just felt as though that, uh, you know, this, this whole thing about living a Christian life, it's about practicing your faith out in encountering people who are not like yourself. And so uh, I said about my public school journey to, uh, I started teaching on Fort Hood. I, I taught in inner city Fort Worth. And uh, I, I got to see that public education uh, encompasses the world. And um, what better place to, to really um, 
push your understanding and thinking and living out your life and of, of, of your belief in Jesus Christ as uh, what does that mean when you're encountering people that don't always think that way? And public education is open to all. And it is the equalizer for, for many people. And uh, for those, those individuals that don't have the opportunity to go to a private school or whatever, the great thing about public education is that we don't pick and choose our clients. They are there. And what a wonderful opportunity for those of us who are believers in, uh, in Jesus Christ to, to interact with, with people who may not ever come to that realization. But we've done our work by providing a testimony of, of why we believe what we believe and um, living out our faith in that, in that way. Yeah, thank you. That's an amazing kind of viewpoint to have of public education, to see it as this massive mission field. Thank you so much. Well, I know uh, Mr. Paul Chabay is over here, and uh, you are in that mission field this year. Like, you're in classroom, uh, 11th, 12th grade English teacher, and, uh, you know, Paul, tell us a little bit about, I, I, I love that 11th and 12th grade, I think the same reasons you do, because by that time, they're thinking fully, all right, uh, they think they have figured out the world, you know, they are drawing some big opinions. Wait, wait, these, out, these like, must be killer kids, yeah, not yeah, Northwest, yeah. not Northwest. Right. You know, but you can, you can really challenge them, you can challenge them a lot more. Uh, you know, how do you use your English class on, on a day in, day out to, to really be, you know, seeing this as a mission field as well and, and speaking into their lives? Sure. I, uh, I asked my kids last year, and I have all seniors, and I said, how many of you think it's my responsibility to entertain you? 80% is almost in every class said it's my responsibility to entertain them. So I had them all stand up, and I started doing like a little pop and locking. I asked them to join with me, and so then we started this thing where it was like, that's what we're going to do when we say we're going to take a break, we're going to do a little break dancing. And then they decided they didn't want to take breaks all that much because it got too complicated for them. <laughs> but as far as, as far as kids in the classroom, for me, I think it just is more about creating an environment where they feel that they can have their voice heard. I tell them that I want them to be able to articulate their message well and that they would be able to do that um, at a greater pace and, and uh, just with more specificity towards the end of the year than they did at the beginning. I want them to know what they believe in. I want them to know who they are. And so we entertain all different types of topics from abortion to immigration, anything that you see on the news, there is no rock unturned. In our classroom, we have lively debate. And in the last few years, I've decided to go with more of conversation instead of debate so that people didn't feel like they necessarily had to win. The other thing that people always ask is, is that so you try to make it comfortable or safe? And I really don't. I want it to be challenging. I want them to know that if they step into the arena that they're actually accomplishing something because it's a difficult task to speak in front of your peers. you know. First period for me is, is on Wednesday will be 35 kids and I'm going to throw out a C.S. Lewis quote and a Sam Harris quote or a Christopher Hitchens quote and they're going to have to take an atheist point of view and a Christian point of view and they're going to have to defend the positive and the negative of it. They'll take the affirmative or the negative and, and the Christian kids, they want no part 
of, of taking on a Sam Harris quote and the atheist kids. They want no part of taking on a C.S. Lewis or Ravi Zacharias quote, but it teaches them that all voices will be heard and treated fairly. And I think for me, what I've always resolved to is that the truth will rise to the top and I just trust the truth. And so if I'm constantly battling this state of relativity and I'm just saying what is truth and always bringing them back, what is truth? What are the facts? Then obviously God's going to win out in that day because he is the truth. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And Paul, I, Teens have changed a lot. Adolescents have changed a lot in the last couple of decades. And you're a, a disciplined person. You're a person that invoy, or enjoys training and, and, you know, really, really getting after it. How, how have you seen kind of adolescents change in the last years? And how have you kind of counteracted that to help them learn through this? Kind of what you were saying a little bit. Most adults will blame the phone on, like all kids, problems are blamed on their phone and they're too much into their social media and I know that there's some truth to that but they oftentimes don't have the best role models at home. Us as parents are constantly on our phones as well and so they see that whether you want to say that oh I'm reading articles and I'm reading my devotional and you're on social media you know on Twitter cutting each other down whatever. They see you on your phone all the time they're going to be on their phone all the time they don't really understand that. What I see is the problem with most of that in, in their culture is isolation and indifference. There was once a time when I could bring up a topic for debate and you would have lively debate because people either hated what I said or they loved what I said, but they at least had feeling or emotion. Enthusiasm was part of that. My biggest problem now is that nobody cares. And it's like, what do y'all think about uh, what Donald Trump said about immigration the other day? And we're trying to do whatever, and they go, eh, he's an idiot. I love Trump, you know, MAGA. It's like, that's all you got? <clears throat> and so to try to get them to go layers deep into a conversation, you have to get into some research and things like that and to really prod them along into those conversations. And so that's what I'm trying to do in the classroom. And, and uh, that's... That's probably, I, I will say this, probably the biggest difficulty as a teacher, and I, I never have said it's a hard job. I know there's a lot of people out there that do tough things and a lot harder than what I do. But the most difficult thing is I don't know, especially in the beginning, what a kid is going through. And so I have this group of kids. This just their parents are fresh off a divorce. Uh, some kid may have had a conversion experience over the summer, and he's, he's nervous but really wants to get out his faith experience. Other people have chosen to walk away from their faith. Uh, there's all different kinds of things. Somebody just broke up with their girlfriend, somebody's in love, and you have all these different elements going on inside this classroom. And so to try to wrangle all those and put them all together and uh, get them to be a cohesive whole is challenging sometimes. But that's when, like all these others uh, have stated before and, and how much we will appreciate your prayers so that we can go into these classrooms and minister to these kids right where they are and just be a part of their lives. We, we really are just trying to build relationships with them and, and love them where they are. Yeah, we really appreciate, Paul, and you guys, your influence on them. I know I wanted to introduce 
this young lady here um, wanted, this is Winella Reed, and she's a fourth grade teacher, been in, been in um, elementary education for nine years. You taught in New York State, which we talked, my wife taught in Jersey, so it's definitely a little different environment from the Northeast to here. But Winella, you're coming from a perspective of fourth grader elementary, and um, your role can be a, a, a more of a molding role at that age. Tell us a little bit of your heart for that and, and um, being able to do that with that younger age. So I guess I get to have the most fun out of all of you. <laughs> um, but I love the age group that I'm in, and I really feel that um, it's my mission. Um, I come from a missionary family. And I really see my classroom each and every day, each and every year as a mission field. And I go into it um, with prayer, lots of prayer. But really knowing that at that age, they are still moldable. They have not come into themselves completely yet. And that I can really teach them to love others by being that Christ example to them. And um, it's really about teaching them character development at that age and, um, you know, sharing my values, um, sharing my faith in ways that I can, much better here than in New York State. Um, You know, I'm able to have a little bit more freedom with that and to build relationships with my students and their families, um, to be encouraging, to teach them to um, have integrity, to teach them to embrace diversity, to have empathy, to think about others before themselves. Um, that servant leadership definitely is one that I tried to instill in them. So it's really that age where I can support parents at home in instilling those great values and to just be that, um, that Christ that they see every day through showing them God's love. And that's a good question just for us as a church, as us as parents, just open it up to some of y'all. How can we, as a church and parents, support you guys better, I guess? I mean, Rick or Winella, you want to start since you got the mic? I, I can summarize it pretty quick for okay. myself. <laughs> Live out the book of James, you know? Yeah. Um, we all need prayer. We all need that, that um, blanket of prayer over every single day in every one of our roles. We all have a different... Um, day mapped out for us. Uh, And prayer is huge in the spiritual warfare world. Uh, But there also is required the works side, you know, and and we can't do it alone. We can't do it all by ourselves. And whether you have kids in schools or not, you're part of the community. The schools are part of the community. The kids that are in the schools are part of the community. Um, and, And the more we as a church can be living out the book of James in our community schools, the better off our kids are going to be as a result when they leave. Okay. I think for me, one of the most encouraging things that happens with me is when I have been bold and I've shared my faith or I've, I've spoken at a graduation and used scripture or something that I try to do that, that is, is a little bit challenging sometimes, but it's so encouraging to have another believer come up to me and say, I really appreciated that you shared that scripture. I really appreciated that you say that you pray for our kids or you pray for our district. So that's something that the, that the church can do is if you come in contact with a teacher, if your, if your child's teacher is a believer, encourage her or him, let them know that you're behind them and you're praying for them because 
you get lonely out there and you start, you, you know, you throw yourself out there and you think, uh-oh, you know, what's going to happen? And, and unfortunately, the people that are critical are the ones that usually come and talk to you. So if, if you're encouraged by your teacher or your, your child's teacher or their principal or anything, go tell them because they, they need that encouragement. And that leads into um, kind of how we wanted to close up our service today. Pete's going to come up and just share some last we're just amazed by the quality and quantity of educators we have. I mean, I'm looking out all over the country. Yeah, there's Wes. He coaches at, I don't know what you teach, Wes, but I know you coach baseball at Richland, North Richland Hills, uh, Richland High. So, I mean, I just see it all over. Our, we have just, just quality and quantity. There's Bonnie. I mean, there's just people all over the place. And we just, you know, as a church, support you guys in any way we can. I think that's a good lead, and, and Pete wants to recognize well, that. Well, thank you very much. We're very, very, uh, very, very fortunate to have heard from you. You need to know that we are supporting you and love the fact that you're part of this community. All of you are very, uh, a big part of this community, and thank you very much for what you do. Um, have all our public educators stand up. All our public educators stand up. Wow. Listen, it's incredibly important, which I hope to show over the next two weeks especially, because we'll be in this series for a little while. Um, we're a church that loves to learn. But all of us need to be better, and I mean me, at living my faith out in a way that I'm having some Christ conversations with people. Because that's the way we have been told to live our faith and to share our faith. We've got to figure out how to do that better. When we get together, it's easy. When we're not together, it becomes very, very difficult for many of us. So over the next two weeks, as we launch this, I'm asking you to go home today thinking to yourself, how can I make this fall a way where I learn better how to impact people in my life for Christ? That's what the, seri that's what the series is about. That's what the fall will be geared toward. So uh, let me close in a word of prayer for all of you in our uh, education. If you need prayer after this service, you can go to our corners over here where you can see the signs there. We have people there who can pray for you if you need it. All right, uh, let's, let's bow in a word of prayer. Father, what a wonderful gift it was this morning to hear from these folks who uh, are confident in their faith and they're bold in their faith and, and feel very much called to the world that they're in. And as I look, as a represented in this room, Father, there are many fields um, that are in the public world. Many vocations represented here. All of us go somewhere when we leave here. Help us to go with a sense of mission and purpose and calling. And what does that look like? And perhaps we could ask, why hasn't it existed in us? And I just pray that over the next couple weeks, Lord, um, you'll really instill that in our hearts. I pray you'll make 
Every single mind and heart in here consider the possibility that their growth edge this year is how to take an internal faith and bring it out. Help us to learn how to do that. Thank you for these folks. Pray for them, Lord, because of the battle in our culture, in our society, in our world. It's just getting harder and harder. But you are in charge of all of it. And we need to learn how to access that authority and live lives that draw attention to you. I pray you'll help us do that as a body, an entire body. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for watching today's message. We hope it encourages you wherever you're at in your faith. If you enjoyed it, let your friends know. We'll catch you next time.